on digital radio, on the app, on your smart speaker, on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch.tv, and Facebook. The Sportscast. Football in January. The Top 25 Rundown presented by The Sportscast. This is the Top 25 Rundown. And here's your host, Alan West. Good evening and welcome to the Top 25 Rundown presented by the Sportscast. Today is January 3rd, 2024. If you haven't yet, please subscribe on all your channels, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TV, and Apple Podcasts. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. It'll help us out tremendously. We are also on DAV Digital Radio. You can listen to us on your smart speaker, play Sportscast. Visit us on the Sportscast.net. Also follow us on Twitter, the Sportscast 1. And check out our app, the Sportscast, in the iOS App Store. Hello, my name is Alan West. Welcome to the Top 25 Rundown. I am joined by the uh, Jack of All Trades and I won't say Master of None, but... I will. Master of... Well, no, I would say the Master of High School Sports. I think my best quality is... I think my best quality is card sending. After that, I feel fairly decent about myself on the Immaculate Grid every now and again. But then again, I feel like a sports loser as well. <laughs> it was funny. A friend sure of mine. A card from you. It, well, I mean, we haven't had your birthday hadn't come yet, has it? That's true. That's true. That's so, true. Uh, but it was funny. A friend of mine today was telling me, you know, like, because, you know, sometimes <clears throat> we all go through life where it's we got a lot of stuff going on. You, me, everybody. Yes. And. His, his thing, and I've told people this too, the Immaculate Grid, which I play every day, it's a sports trivia game, essentially. Um, he said, well, that can be your release. I'm like, it is my release until I miss one. And then I feel like the world's biggest idiot. So, you know, but I'm hard on myself. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I mean, uh, see, today, because we're coming to the national championship game, I had ordered this jersey because I ordered one for me and one for my daughter. And so one of the things I made sure that I had on here is the logo. Okay. So even though it's from the last year, but still, Ohio State was in the playoff last year and they had that uh, landmark game against Georgia, which the kicker missed the kick and, well, I missed the ball drop. So we had two epic fails in one. But you know what? That's okay. Well, this year though was before we get rolling. If we had a game, uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I think it's like some TikTok fad or something. I've seen it on Facebook, but they'll have this guy and he'll say, okay. You can win fifty dollars, but if I can name more players from whatever than you can, then you win nothing. I think if I played you in a name Ohio State people. I could go for about maybe eight. And then on the ninth person, you're going to know it because I don't know that many people that are current for one, except for like, you know, a quarterback and a running back. But I mean, everybody knows those, but like if you're playing the immaculate grid game where you get your quote unquote points is if you get kickers or linemen. So when I can't get like, you know, I don't want to be this guy that can say, Oh, Peyton Manning Broncos and Colts. Guess what? Everybody can say Peyton Manning. Broncos and Colts, but 
I guess the whole point I was making is your Ohio State knowledge much better than mine. I can go, you know, Pepe Pearson, Eddie George. Um, okay. Who was the other running back? Uh, there was another running back in the 90s uh, after Pepe, I thought. Um, but anyway, I'm out. All right, Nick, he's still a little you thinking of, maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I, well, this is how bad I would be at the game. I mean, Grenzel I mean, We was, had Maurice Claret in the 2000s. So. Grenzel was an Ohio State guy, wasn't he? He was. I'm trying to think who he was. He was a quarterback for the O2 championship team. I'm going to look this up. You talk amongst yourselves. Ask me any questions you want, and I'll do my best. I mean, what are you trying to figure out about Ohio State quarterbacks right now? Is that what you're trying to do? Well, because you trying had to Bobby Hoying, Craig, uh, Craig Krenzel. Who was quarterback when Pepe was on the team? Uh, that was Stanley Jackson and Joe Germain, Joe Germain, I believe. Joe Germain. But there's a guy that from, and yeah, it might be Pepe, from Ohio State. It was like, because I'm a little bit older than you, obviously. So my my high peak of stuff is like mid-90s. And there was a running back in the okay. mid-90s. I want to say it was Pepe, but he had a pretty big game against Illinois. And now I'm going to have to look up to see who it is. I'm pretty sure it's Pepe. But I, I might be wrong. Is. Because didn't he run for, uh, I want to say, somewhere around 250 yards? I think so. I think so. So, you know. But that's how bad I am at this game. Because, like I said, I mean, you know, they had a thing. Do you ever play the Immaculate Grid? I haven't. I played it that one time we talked about it. I need to go back and play it some more. They had one where it said, um, there was a column where it said, named Clemson people that have played in the NFL. Well, outside of like, and the point of the immaculate grid is the more rare you get, the better, because you it's like golf. You want your score to be low, not mm-hmm. if if you there's nine squares on the grid. If you didn't get one right, your score is nine hundred. So basically, nine hundred is where your score starts. You want to go down as low as you possibly can. Okay. But there's only like twenty three people or something that have played a down for Clemson in the NFL. And it might have been, it might not have been Clemson. It might have been Oklahoma or somebody, but it had it for right. a specific team. So it was like okay. Clemson and the Detroit Lions or whatever. And I can't think of any. I mean, that that probably wasn't the team. So don't rack your brain. But like, okay, no, I know who it was, but that's okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, yes, but it was something like more rare than that. And I'm trying to think, and I can't think of it. So like, that's how okay. bad I am with college because. If you didn't play in the mid-90s or your name is not like Deshaun Watson or somebody, or, you know, you were a first-round pick, Bob's in trouble. And there are a lot of those okay. people um, that are, you know, specific, specialized people. Like, you know, I mean, if, if you were saying to name, you could probably do it, name an Ohio State person that's been drafted like in the fourth round. I can't do that because I'm not, a, I'm not as big on the Ohio State. So, yeah, that's where it can get hard for, in my opinion. But true, I digress. True. Well, I mean, he, speaking he really of really needs to start playing. I'll jump back into it. Yeah, we'll talk about that. One, but uh one of my favorite things about you, Alan, before we really get going, is you might not be the best at something, but you're never not gonna try. And I I, I feel like if I said to you, Hey, let's go climb a mountain today, it might not be what you'd want to do, but you would try. You might not be able to climb the mountain all the way, but you would give it all you got. And not every not everybody does that in the world. So that makes you a good man. That makes you a good father. It makes you a good son. It makes you a good everything because you have 
perseverance, which I think is – I'm applauding on my table right now for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, uh, the thing that I learned growing up – we'll do we'll, a we'll partial digress for a minute, but we can use this. I'm going to wrap it into sports like we always do. So mm. – for me, I don't know if you've heard the phrase, my word is my bond. Nope. So for me, whenever I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And that can be good or bad. And so for doing this show today, I wanted to make sure I did it. Because we have the national championship, and I'm looking forward to that. Although also we have some of the other games, plus we've been doing the... Uh, Sports cast Capital One Volmania as well. So for me, when I've looked at the games, I pick some winners, I pick some losers, but I still make sure I've made all my picks. Hmm. <laughs> and when I looked at my score right now, I am in second place. So no matter what, I have guaranteed myself an over 500 record which I didn't think was possible. So you know what? I am thankful for that because it's been a good run so far. And you know what? I'm happy. See, that's the thing. Like when I'm playing the Immaculate Grid, I play against a few friends like Nick Pierce, people like that. But at the end of the day, I am such a, a freak that I write down all my scores from ever. And I think mm -hmm. for baseball, they've done like 260 grids, 276 actually. So I have just a Word document where I list all my scores. Now, nice. my big thing, though, is like if I score 200 one day or 121 day, I want to go lower the next day. So I'm not playing against okay. people as much as I am playing against myself, even though I just want to beat Nick every day. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Hey, we, but, we uh, have some that go round and round on baseball. I believe it. Um... Yes. No, I mean, uh, sometime we should try to see if Nick wants to come on here, by the way, mm -hmm. since we are getting ready to college baseball. We're going to have that coming up soon. But I mean, uh, <clears throat> did you watch many of the games on New Year's? You know, I was a bad football fan on New Year's. I watched the second half of Michigan and Alabama. I watched the first half of Texas and uh, Washington, and I watched uh, bits and pieces of Liberty in Oregon, because by the time I started watching it, it was already uh, it was a runaway for Oregon. So I watched the beginning of the Liberty game. We'll go into that one first. Liberty was able to score a touchdown on their opening drive, mm -hmm. which was great. Unfortunately, their kicker missed the extra point. And then after that, Oregon... <clears throat> Well, they didn't score in their first possession, but they scored on most of their possessions after that. And, I mean, uh, Bo Nix, he definitely went out on top. But you know what? He deserved it. But I thought Liberty was going to have a better showing, to be honest. And then you find out after the game that uh, Caden Salter has entered the transfer portal. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, and the big thing is, where will he go? And, you know, I don't know that any of us know yet. I think there's a few mm -hmm. places out there, but I don't know yeah. that anybody would say that um, he's going to go here. He's going to go there quite yet. So that mm -hmm. to me is interesting to see where he's going to go. 
No, I completely agree for that. And uh, the game that I hate to say, but I felt was a joke, was Georgia going against Florida State. <clears throat> and the kicker wow. is when I'm looking on ESPN's website right now, where it's going for the bowl games, how it has a schedule for them. When you look at their page right now on the New Year Six, they don't even they didn't even write Florida State. They just wrote Florida. Even though they've got the Seminoles logo. Hmm. I figured you were gonna name another game that happened on uh was it uh Friday? Oh yeah, no, that game that game was a joke as well. Cause I was, was pretty it, upset about that. I'm not trying to be funny. What was it like sixteen to three or something? Fourteen to three. I think most people watch bowl games because even if it's two, if it's two good defensive teams, that's one thing. If it's bad offense, that's one thing. If it's, you know, just, I think people want to see offensive shootouts. I mean, let's be honest. There's two, there's a couple big 10 teams. I would not have wanted to see in a bowl game play. And I don't mean they didn't deserve it, but don't sign me up to watch Iowa in a bowl game because I know offensively it's going to be nothing. Well, Speaking of that, Brian Ferentz has now played his last game as the offensive coordinator, and he ended his last two games getting blown out sixty-eight to nothing, basically. In the last two games that he played, that he coached as offensive coordinator, that he had to, he would have had to score like nine hundred ninety-nine points. One hundred nine points he would have needed to score in the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, I'd heard that on full ride when I was listening because I was just like, "Yeah, there's no way that's possible," but it's true. Because it just—it's frustrating because you always hope for a lot more. Yeah. But then when you're watching it, you're just like, "Are you being serious?" It's like for Ohio State. I don't know if you watched any of that game on Friday. Bits but and the pieces. Quarterback. The quarterback got hurt in the first quarter. Devin Brown, and his backup was Lincoln Kleinholtz. Lincoln Kleinholtz has only played a little bit in mop-up duty. So when he had turned out that he had to be the quarterback otherwise. He was in trouble because right. he didn't have the experience. And, well, basically it just uh, – our defense could only do so much. And remember, Marvin Harrison, Jr., before the game, he had opted out, I guess the best way to put it. So he didn't even play because if he had played, it would have been a blowout. I can honestly say I think it would have been a blowout because of how dynamic he is. But it didn't go our way, just like for Florida State, once they knew they weren't going to be in the playoff, you had 20 players either declare for the draft or go into the transfer portal before the game. So when you were expecting it to be a game between them and Georgia, there was no way. I hate it. I mean, I didn't think Georgia... I didn't think Georgia would score 63 on them, but I knew it was not going to be much of a game at all. I get why people do what they do when it comes to this stuff, mm-hmm. especially if you've got a future in the NFL. But to be honest with you, and I think Saban has said it, I think other people have said it too, I hate what you – you know what you turn bowl games into, in my opinion? You almost turned the bowl games into an NFL preseason game. And the bowl games used to mean a lot more. Now, the exception to the rule on that is the college football playoff. But if you take the bowl games, like the military bowl with Tech and Tulane, 
-hmm. mean, Tulane's, uh, well, I mean, A, when you have your head coach leave, that's different. And I know that's another can of worms altogether. But when you're losing your head coach, then you're losing players that are decided I'm entering the portal and I'm not going to play in the game or, you know, whatever the case is. I just think that that's a, that's a, you're not playing Tulane. You're playing a team that might resemble Tulane. You might be playing Tulane's scout team, but I, I don't know. I, I don't like it. I get why people do it. I mean, if Marvin Harrison Jr. plays in that game and blows out a knee, then that's a, I feel terrible for him now, worse than I do by him opting out. But what are the chances of him blowing out a knee? Not great, in my opinion. <clears throat> you would have thought he would have wanted to do it, but I understand why he didn't. So you know what? Best of luck to him in his future endeavors. Thank you for what you did as a Buckeye, but I wish it would have been. I wish he would have played. But you know what? You don't always get what you want. Although the thing is, the kicker, the punter, who had a great game, he entered the portal right after the game. <clears throat> Are we going to talk more about Liberty? Sure. We can right. definitely talk more about Liberty. So I've, I've got a question for you when we get there, but I'm you do what you want to do. I'm not going to rush it. Sure. We can, let's go ahead and talk about Liberty right okay. now. So, well, let me, let me go off a comment you just made of, I wish Marvin okay. Harrison Jr. Well, thank you for what you've done. If you're Liberty, can you yep. say, Hey, Caden Salter, we really appreciate what you did. I wish you well in your future endeavors. I say yes. I can say that too. Okay. I mean, now you're an alum. Yes. They gave I you am. a diploma, right? Yes, they did. You had to, yeah, you had to pay they for did. it and earn it, but you got a diploma. So my thing is for a Liberty guy, and I'm gonna come. I'm not gonna compare Liberty and Ohio State because Ohio State's on level one. Liberty's not on level one um, okay. in terms of prestige. Um, if you're Liberty, I don't know. I mean, do you want to get blown out in the Fiesta Bowl on a New Year's Six? No. Would you rather win the Cure Bowl or get blown out in the New Year's Six? Here's the thing, though. Even though they did get blown out, they showed up. Because you don't want to have a cupcake game. You want a game that's going to challenge you. I mean, since you're undefeated. And I can give you an example of how this is. Because for Liberty Women's Basketball, back in 98, the women's team was undefeated. And they played Tennessee in the NCAA tournament. And at the time, both teams were undefeated. Tennessee won that game and later won the championship. But when you go against a team, you want their best. And I mean, we expected more from Liberty, but you know what? Them <clears throat> making it here, winning the Conference USA, sure, the game didn't go how we wanted, but it was still a decent showing. And when you were watching the game, even though you saw they weren't going to win, you saw that they definitely they didn't give up. They didn't stop playing. 
You know, I mean, my big thing is with Liberty and Oregon, and Turner could probably back me on this one. The major difference is this. I, to, to me, the major difference is the depth because mm-hmm. Liberty might have, oh, yeah. well, I mean, Liberty doesn't have any five stars, but Liberty might have one four-star recruit <clears throat> and 10 three-star recruits. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. Oregon's got a five-star I'm I'm speak I'm not speaking in you know hypothetical terms is what I'm saying. Oregon's got a five star behind Bo Nix, and Oregon's got a five star behind you know their DB. Oregon's got mm-hmm. look at it this way. Oregon is probably a handful of plays away from being in the playoffs themselves because yeah. if they beat Washington and then they win the Pac-12 title game against Washington, that could easily be Oregon. Yeah. So. So I think if you're if you're Liberty, uh, if you're a Liberty fan, first off, I don't think you're disappointed because you got your name talked about more in probably three hours than you ever did in what fifty years of the university or whatever it is. From a football perspective, not many people knew who Liberty was. I mean, the only other time when you would have heard. People say something like that before. It's last year when Liberty beat BYU. Yeah, but that's not even on the Between... same stratosphere, I think, as this. <clears throat> sure, this was for the bowl season. It got a major coverage. I'll give you that. But before that, the last big game that would have gotten any coverage was Liberty against BYU, at least in my opinion. Right, but but here's the thing I think that, that we're kind of uh, overlooking here. There are a lot of teams that have a big Saturday. I mean, Appalachian State, we know because they beat Michigan in the big house uh, 10 years ago or less, whatever it was. 20. Okay, 20. 20 years ago. Even worse. But, I mean, like, you know, we're not talking – I mean, I think you can have one Saturday, but Appalachian mm-hmm. State – and they're a bad example because they beat a, a true, true blue blood in Michigan. But, I mean, like, if you take, you know, a team that – is maybe from a group of five conference. We talk mm-hmm. about Cincinnati maybe because of what they did with Fickle there, but that wasn't one Saturday. That was a collection of Saturday. That was one season. Well, I mean, you can go you can go down that route, yes, but think about it. Cincinnati before Fickle, when um, Brian Kelly was there, he could definitely do it. You know what? Bob, I've got someone who can help you with with what you're saying right now, who's going to back you up and me up. But uh, first of all, we need to congratulate him as soon as he comes on because, well, the champ is here, Mr. Chris Caravello. Good evening, gentlemen. Thank you for coming on, sir. I was hoping you could get on. I saw... Uh, you made it on the New York Post, so congratulations for that. I mean, seems like you've been a busy person ever since they won. Yeah, that was uh, a cool opportunity. I was glad to, to hop on there and, and talk to them about the Sugar Bowl win, and and just goes to show you just uh, keep doing these kind of opportunities and we'll hopefully get your shot. That's that's what my biggest takeaway was. And I love that shirt. Sure. I yes. love this yeah. shirt. So I saw it um, the day of the game outside the Superdome, and I went back the next morning, 
and it was like right as they were packing up, I went and snagged it because I was like, I think that'd be a bit, you know, you don't want to buy the bowl game shirt mm-hmm. you know, before the game. Yeah, I just feel like that's bad, bad form. You know, I gotta, you know, whatever. But yeah, it's an awesome one. I love it. No, I mean that. I'm a little jealous of that to see for me what I did for this episode today. I had ordered this jersey about a month ago. And me and my daughter got matching jerseys. And so what we did was how Ohio State played in the 2023 playoff. We made sure we got that logo on here. So I figured this week would be a good week to let, let it be shown since we did have the playoff. Now, before we get into Washington, though, did you watch the Liberty game at all? I watched the first half, and then I switched over to – God, at some point, obviously, I put on the Rose Bowl, but I forget what – You know, by the time, like, halftime had rolled around, I just felt like there was – you know, the game had kind of gone the way that we thought it would, you know, that we had talked about last week, um, you know, mm-hmm. or simply overwhelmed. Yeah, no, uh, you probably went to the Citrus Bowl then, is what you were watching after that. Because that was Penn State and Ole Miss, I believe. I didn't watch a snap of that. (laughs) Okay. Because I know they had LSU and Wisconsin. But... Didn't watch a snap of that either. He was having fun after he turned off at half of the uh, Liberty game. I think okay. what happened you know what? Was, yeah, I went down near the dome uh, with my wife and the baby, and we just kind of strolled mm-hmm. around, checked it out, and kind of scouted things out for what was going to happen later that night. Um, also looked at all the perch that you know, I did want to pick and choose from after the game. So, yeah, that's what I was doing during the second half. I, I remember I got home right before uh, the Rose Bowl kicked off, and then we watched the first half mm-hmm. before heading back down. Yeah, no, I mean, that Rose Bowl game, even though I'm sad that Alabama did not pull it off, that was still a good game, although I would say that their their center, I'm not sure how that's going to go for him right now. I'm wondering if he may enter the transfer portal after what happened in that game. Saw that he did today. Oh, he did? I hadn't even looked. That's right. I did. You know what? Actually, fake post, and in case, uh, my apologies for not fact checking. No, but I no, I, I did see that. That's what it looks like. Yep, you are correct. Yeah, so he did enter. The the offensive line for Alabama was uh, an issue all year. Um, it mm-hmm. factored heavily into their first loss uh, against Texas, and. You know, there was times where it just look at the amount of sacks that Milrow took throughout the season. Yep. And then you play a defense like Michigan. I wasn't really surprised by that point. You know, I guess the only thing that shocked me was that Michigan made that many mistakes and Alabama didn't capitalize, like fully pull away and, and put them mm-hmm. away, um, especially later in the game when, you know, they had a touchdown lead. You know, you don't typically see Nick Saban get outcoached in those kind of moments, but that's what it looks like to me. No, I mean, that's 
I can agree with that statement. It was more just you wouldn't have expected that because of how Saban is. Because Saban, usually when he plays, usually he's the one that already has the preparation taken care of. And for once, it felt like he uh, he wasn't the most prepared person in the room. Let me see now. Apparently, it's not like he was going up against a JV coach either. By the way, yeah. I mean, say what you want about the khakis, but he knows how to coach. I mean, the whole staff does. They got yeah. done six yeah. six games without him this year. So that whole staff has just, you know, been there at this point. Oh, and uh, did you see who was at the Rose Bowl? That thing I sent you, Chris. Uh, I don't know if Bob saw it or not, but uh, Connor Stallions was at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I wondered if I've seen that in another post, and I wondered if it was real. Um, you know, he can kind of troll the the college football landscape all he wants. And I think it is kind of funny that he, he bought a ticket and showed up. Uh, but you, you gotta, at this point, wonder how this is going to unfold after the season. Cause you, you can't really use the excuse that the kids didn't know. And some of the coaches may not have known like, and I'm not saying that is like, well, that they deserve whatever punishments coming down on them. It's that the NCAA hasn't cared about that in the past. Since when does the NCAA give a damn if 99% of the roster had no idea that an infraction was being committed? If that one player, you know, broke the rules that hasn't stopped them from vacating wins, vacating championships, taking away scholarships, implementing mm -hmm. post season bans so what is different about this if no one else on that staff knew that they were you know getting the benefit of, of some signs being stolen and the ncaa proves that that was the case what, what's going to stop them from yanking this 2023 season away from the wolverines or maybe even the, the one one or two seasons before that Nothing, but I mean, that's how the NCAA is. Instead of them actually trying to do something at the right time, they err on the side of we're going to be lazy and make it a year or two afterwards, which is going to kill do as much of a death penalty after the fact and just makes it to where any recruiting that's going to happen you're going to lose recruits over it because it's like, yeah, well, because something happened before we were there, now we have to pay for it, so why do we want to go? Yeah, well, Washington can save everybody a whole lot of headaches if they win this game next week because then you don't got to worry Yeah, I just looked. It. They're a four-and-a-half-point favorite, or they're a four-and-a-half-point dog right now. Same as it was to Texas. Exactly. I mean, what do, at this point, what do you want me to say? Like, uh, I'm glad it's not a nine and a half. I mean, what 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 is too much for this team to prove is a ridiculous point spread at this point. Um, yeah, that's about what I expected walking out of the Sugar uh, Sugar Bowl. I thought that we'd be right around there, 
four and a half point, five point underdogs. Yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, like I said last week, I'm sticking with Washington. I'm not backing down from that, even with some people like, oh, you should go for me. Nope. Mm-mm. I stuck, I made my pick. My pick will not change. And like I said for uh, ESPN Capital Bowl Mania, by some miracle, going through all 43 bowl games, I'm going to end up over 500. It's hard to do, especially this this day and age of the opt-outs and you know, bowl seasons. Just it's it's weird these days because you never know who's going to show up and what team's going to give it you know the best effort. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm 22 and 20, so you know what? I'm happy and I'm thankful for that because it'll probably never happen again. So I'm gonna appreciate and enjoy that. But since we're lucky enough to have you on right now, why don't you give us a recap of what you saw for the Sugar Bowl? I'll do that. <laughs> first, first of all, you know, and I'm not looking at it as, you know, we won, therefore I can say this, but the. There wasn't really any doubt who was the better team, I feel like. And even though Washington let that lead slip away, it was kind of like, well, we've seen them do it the last 10 games. You, know, you, you, Why would you think in the playoff against a team of this caliber, we'd finally put somebody away and step on their throat? They had their chance, you know, if they had just mm-hmm. not even punched it in for the touchdown on the final uh, second to last possession, if they had just ran the ball instead of throwing an incomplete pass, you know, and then don't get the freak injury, you're giving the, the ball back to Texas with, you know, 15 seconds left. So it's a far, mm-hmm. far, far different feeling of how close the game ended up being. But I thought up to that point, you know, like you, you have to win this game because you're going to look back and be disgusted if you lose, because like I said, it's clear who is the better team and it was Washington. You know, they, they got out, they didn't get out to a fastest start as they did against Oregon uh, in the PAC 12 title game, but man, they came out firing on all cylinders, um, started to, to turn the, the tide in their favor, got a, a turnover right out of the halftime. And you know, I feel like they really didn't look back until things kind of went sideways for a few few weird minutes at the end of the game um Mm -hmm. texas's d-line did what a lot of people were predicting but like that's not not to say that washington didn't stay committed to the run they still had like almost 30 rushing attempts and they ran for 100 yards if you listen to a lot of the analysts leading up to the sugar bowl they made it sound like washington would be lucky to rush for 50 yards let alone 102 touchdowns. So mm-hmm. it's not like that was something that made Washington one-dimensional. And I think when you look at the, the next game and the next defense they're facing, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like Michigan is going to attempt to make it so they don't have to worry about the run. Mm-hmm. Texas, that was their game plan going in, but it seemed like every time they were kind of settling in and trying to go with a light box – Washington did something to make them pay. And what makes this coaching staff with Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb so special is the adjustments that they made after halftime. Look at the design runs that 
Michael Penix Jr. just took off like almost, you know, straight up into the line and caught Texas flat-footed because they had looked at the the how things unfolded in the first half and knew it was there. If you're not going to respect the run and especially the quarterback not being able to get some yards with his legs, hey, pick your poison and Texas pick wrong for most of the night. Another thing that we had talked about was Texas's struggles in the red zone. And boy, did it come back to haunt them in the fourth quarter. You know, they end up kicking the field goal because, you know, I think that was probably the right call. They didn't know if they actually get back down into that situation. Uh, so take the points or else the game is essentially over. You go for it on fourth and don't get it on the, the second to last possession. But not being able to punch it in um, when you still had that much time on the clock and two timeouts the way that Texas had been running the ball um, with success throughout the game, you know, they still got like over six yards of carry. And like I said, though, when you, when you get back, back down around the goal line, I feel like Sark has done this in his past. He just outsmarts himself, makes things mm -hmm. way too complicated. And then, you know, simplifying it on the final drive with three one-on-one -on -one shots into the end zone with a quarterback that had been, pretty erratic like for most of the first half a lot of his yards were all underneath stuff uh or mm -hmm. chunk plays where Washington was just content on keeping it in front of him and not giving up the big touchdowns that was stupid and it, yeah. the the throw that Ewers made to end the game was just you know maybe if he zips it in there A.D. Mitchell has you know a better position on it than Elijah Jackson, but because he let it just go up, you know, Jackson, who is our worst corner that's been picked on all year long. It's mm -hmm. much maligned. You know, the kid comes up and makes a play that he's going to be remembered forever by beautiful play on the yeah. ball. Just goes up like Richard Sherman against Michael Crabtree 10 years ago, by yep. the way, yep. to send the, the Seahawks to the Super Bowl. I remember it was that. just, it was beautiful. It was dramatic. And if you've watched Washington all year, it just didn't surprise you because that's how the last 10 games have gone. They mm -hmm. have had chances to go up by three scores in every single one of those games. On either turned the ball over, made a poor choice of play call and got, you know, incomplete passes, leaving the, the top, the team with way too much time at the end, like whatever happened, you know, it just always seemed to make these games way closer than they should have. But this team is battle tested. They didn't flinch. They just knew you just give us one last chance. We're going to make the most. Of it. And it just is very fitting that the, the supposed worst DB on the liability of this team, according to the so-called experts, is the one who won the game for them with Michael Penix <laughs> standing on the sideline, not having anything to do with that. So mm -hmm. couldn't have written a better story. Now on to the next one. True. Although um, for how you're talking about how Sark overthinks, the best comparison that I could give you would be the year before against Alabama that they lost when they should have won that game. Because it felt kind of like it was that all over again. Because you would have thought 
how Clint Evers had his shots that he would have converted, but it just... I hate to say it, but in a lot of big games, he hasn't shown up. He's been very streaky. Ups and downs. I mean, he was already, uh, before the game started, when they had the media day, he was already upset because everyone went over to Arch Manning instead of him when it was time for doing interviews, which, you know what? It sucks, but I kind of expected that. I hate to say it. Well, you know, I, I saw some of the post-game stuff. I still have to go back and watch the broadcast of this game. You know, I got home late last night, and obviously mm-hmm. it was plenty to catch up today. But, you know, I've seen some some post-game videos of Ewers, you know, kind of looking just completely lost. And, you know, at first glance, I'm like, well, of course, all that adrenaline's coursing through you. You just lost the game on three straight passes that you, know, you failed to hit the mark on. So, but in the comments, a lot of people were mentioning that he may have had a concussion. He took a big hit, banged his head. So, and again, I brought this up on a couple different shows. And, and, you know, you had a situation earlier in the year where the backup had to win games, not just had to play in the games. He had to start Mm -hmm. and finish and win the games for Texas Mm -hmm. to even be there. And he ends up transferring and is not with the team. Now, Washington has the same situation with their backup Dylan Morris who started the COVID year and the year after that before Jimmy Lake mm-hmm. got fired but he stayed with the team he didn't just you know pick a new school and and get out of there like Malik mm-hmm. Murphy did with Texas and that came back to haunt them because if I'm reading this correctly you know there there should have been at least like some sort of you know look into how Ewers health was after taking those big shots from Braylon Trice you know, he got sacked twice, took a few more hits. Um, but when you don't have your backup. You don't have a choice. The, yeah, you're going to put Arch in there. You know, they, they, all his uh, his little fanboys and, and the media were fawning over him. Uh, disrespected the hell out of Quinn Ewers at media day. But, you know, obviously Sark didn't feel like he was ready to, to go in and face the firing squad in uh, a playoff semifinal game. Well, I almost wondered if Ewers was going to get hurt bad enough to where he would have had to leave the game because I think if Arch had gone in the game, I hate to say this, but I think that Washington would have eaten, shoot him up, and spit him out. Yeah. It's a big ask, you know, of a true freshman. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what happened to... uh, my team in their bowl game after the uh after Devin Brown got hurt in the first quarter they had Kleinholtz play and That's unfortunately right. Kleinholtz only played a little bit in mop up duty. So when he was having to try to play against Missouri and I saw that I was like, Yeah, we're screwed. So I was just waiting and then I watched uh the first almost three quarters because I was running some errands and spending time with others. And so I finally get back in the car and I'm going home. I turn on the radio 
And I turn it on right at the end when I find out they lose 14 to 3. And I'm like, what? Seriously? Because even with Kleinholtz being the quarterback, if Marvin hit, this is just my personal opinion. You can tell me if I'm wrong about this. But I think if Marvin Harrison Jr. had played, I think even with Kleinholtz being the quarterback, we would have blown the doors off Missouri. That's my honest opinion. Well, you know, unfortunately, I'm not even sure it comes down to those two guys. That offensive line played so bad, it might not have mattered who was back there, you know. It's unfortunate that, you know, you at least didn't have the guy who took all the snaps this year. Um, I didn't really expect Harrison to, to play even well before he announced it. Um, but that, that O-line was such a mess. You know, the starting center doesn't play mysteriously because he did. I've heard a lot of rumors about why. Um, maybe that'll come out at a, at a later date, but the replacement was terrible. They're moving guys around. Um, it was just a turnstile. So I'm not sure it would have mattered who was back there and who he was throwing it to, because I don't think he would have had time to get anything off. Um, you know, the, the, the defense playing as good as they did, that's a tip of the cap to them. But, you know, you're on the field the whole game. Eventually, Mizzou mm -hmm. was able to wear them down. Um, it's a weird vibe around Ohio State right now. I don't know who they're mm -hmm. going to bring in. Kyle Holtz was a Washington commit. He only went to Ohio State because Brock Glenn – split to Florida State so it was kind of a unique circumstances and um, coming full circle into this title game there's a quite a few people on that Ohio State roster that are watching Washington saying I could have been on that team and I chose not to mm -hmm. so it's 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 a weird dynamic I'm sure they want to see us beat their rival um, but at the same time they got to look themselves in the mirror and say I chose to to leave town or decommit and now I might watch Washington do what Ohio State failed to do for three straight years, and that's beat Michigan. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's kind of a bitter pill for me to swallow, but you know what? <laughs> I would I be happy if I could do it. It's okay. It's okay. It's, you know what? It's, it's the drama. It's the weird storylines. It's the mm -hmm. game within the game. That's what makes this sport oh, yeah. so special. It's, it's so many weird, you know, made for Hollywood kind of scripts that the sport seems to follow. Um, mm -hmm. Who knows? Like, it, it seems like the, the game is just right around the corner, and I've barely been able to process the last one that just happened. But that was just kind of weird. I, I checked the, you know, I check in on the the national shows just to see what the perception mm -hmm. is. Um, are they finally going to give Washington any respect at all? And how are they going to dissect uh, Alabama losing? And I was interested to see if they, they took it that way. Were they going to give the Wolverines credit for winning that game? Or was it going to be all about, you know, the SEC getting left out? Um, I think it was a mixture of both. Uh, it was kind of strange seeing Paul Feinbaum say that all of a sudden he uh, – you know, thinks the cheating scandal wasn't a big deal. No one knew about it. But then all of a sudden today, he's saying Harbaugh is out the door as soon as the game ends Monday. I don't know if that's just a clever play to try and distract Michigan and, you know, add just an element of drama 
to the week, but I don't know. These are two teams that I felt like were totally disrespected by the, the media. Um, like I said, all the, all the so-called mm-hmm. experts that both these teams have massive chips on their shoulder um, against the rest of the world, seemingly. Uh, now they get to take it out on each other. So I think this is going to be a great game. I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Uh, and here we are, you know, 32 years later, the rematch, Michigan, Washington for the national championship. And hopefully Washington will end up doing no against them, just like they did in the other games. So, I mean, the thing that I'm going to appreciate more than anything, I really think that Michigan's defensive line going against Washington's offensive line, I didn't know that's going to be a true battle. But the thing is, I really think that Washington is more battle-tested than Michigan, honestly. I think that's a fair statement. Because, well, I mean, when you look at the beginning of Michigan's it's a year, they were blowing everybody out by 50 or 60 points almost every game. When they finally did have to show up, they were having to play close games for the most part. Unless, I mean, sure, they blew out Iowa. They beat Penn State pretty well. They did beat us. But when it comes to a caliber of a real defense, they really have not had a time where they've had to really show up, like where it's really been like, oh, this is going to be life or death. Whereas now, this is literally, I guess, the best definition of put up or shut up. Because if they don't, they're screwed. And I like the odds of how they're just... Washington is basically, to me, the best comparison I can think of is like Teddy Roosevelt where it speaks softly and carry a big stick. They haven't said much, but they've been letting their actions on the field say everything for them. I mean, even though the players, the thing that they were the maddest about when Phoenix didn't win the Heisman, that was the one thing where the whole team felt was a slight. So that's why this is going to be... I can feel this kind of being like a Vince Young-ass kind of ending for the year. That's the best comparison I can really give it just after he didn't win the Heisman, but he won the national championship that year. I saw a tweet from Lindale White right after the Sugar Bowl that said the same thing. Kind of ironic since White's uh, teammate is the one that won it. I don't know if him and Reggie have any beef these days, but yeah, it does have that weird sense to it, and it's fitting that Penix goes into the Superdome in Louisiana and won a game in there in which he just played out of his mind. I saw <laughs> Daniel losing that same building a year ago to Florida State. So it, it was, like I said, it was fitting that he did it in the Superdome of all places. And I'm sure whether he's vocal about it or not, he kind of addressed it, you know, right after the game or the day after where he said, you know, the goal, it wasn't a goal to win the Heisman. It was to win a national championship. Um, but we'll make it pretty damn sweet and pretty compelling argument for the rest of us to make on his behalf, you know, about that Heisman snub. Um, but he's he's the ultimate team player. 
This is all came together so wonderfully for him. Two magical injury-free seasons in Seattle. And, you know, there's, like I said, there's just one more, one more ride. This is the last time, this is the last Pac-12 game ever. Mm-hmm. And one last chance to see all these seniors play, you know, with the, the helmet on, you know, with the logo on the side of it. And that's, that's special. This is a really special team. And uh, this fan base has been hungered for this moment for 32 years. What would it mean to you if they win, knowing that the final time when they'll call the Pac-12 the Conference of Champions in regards to football, would they walk away with a mic drop saying, yeah, we did this, and you couldn't figure out how to do a right TV deal, so now we can walk away knowing that we did everything we could, but you as a commissioner failed? I can't even put into words because as I've mentioned, you know, all the storylines within this game, you know, all the storylines within this legacy that are eternal, you know, to be the final Pac-12 champion, to be the first and only undefeated Pac-12 champion, to be the first and only 14-win Pac-12 champion, and then to be the first only and last national champion from the Pac-12, you know, when SC didn't even make the playoff ever. Oregon made it once and couldn't get it done. You know, we, we made it twice. And it's just like you said, it's the mic drop, walk away, fate, you know, into the sunset. It's special on so many different levels. You know, I've been cognizant of this all year long, that this was the last chance to do all of those things that I just mentioned. Um, This is to go down in history, to be remembered on the West Coast as the team that got it done, you know, and carried the torch. It's a shame that the conference is dead after Monday night, but there's a lot of people to point fingers at and a lot of people to blame. Ain't none of them going to be on that field, you know, Monday night, though, those kids didn't have a damn thing to do with any of this. Uh, the administrators and Commissioner Larry Scott and Klavikoff after him are the ones that screwed all this up. They should be ashamed of themselves. A lot of you know mud should be slung in their direction. And, you know, everything else that, that kind of was co- domino effects that led up to it. I, I'm sh- ESPN absolutely should share some of the blame. Um, there's a lot of entities out there that that wanted to see this happen and did what they could to to make it happen um if if anybody really cared about the sport instead of these tv contracts somebody would have stepped in and stopped it from happening but they're not you're going to see it someday with these other conferences big 12 and the acc their time is coming too Mm -hmm. but you know and hopefully they'll when that time comes they'll have somebody in this position you know, to just say not so fast. We're not going down without a fight. This is to the bitter end. And like I said, this is, this is a legacy. This is a chance to be remembered forever. I mean, I couldn't say it any better, but that was why I wanted to make sure I asked you that question, just because, I mean, I've appreciated how you've been able to 
work around your schedule to come on here just because I know all the different things that you do. And I mean, I know it's not easy for you to come on here, but like for doing this, I'm thankful for that because it's always been a blast when you come on because I know that I'm going to hear you tell me like it is, whether I want to hear it or not. And that's okay. But the thing is, you don't sugarcoat it. You make sure you give your opinion. And I'm not going to forget that rant from a few weeks ago because of the one you were worried if I hadn't recorded. I was like, oh, no, I got that. Even though I couldn't talk, I made sure I got that entire rant. And not only that, after we did the show, I sent Santiago a message that said, you have a rant that you're going to be able to use as a clip. You can thank me later. Because I, I knew when when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, no matter if the rest of the show goes on, we got that rant. That's all that needs to be done. So, I mean, that's why for me, watching how Washington has just gone through the gauntlet and instead of giving up or walking away, not only have they rose to the occasion, but they've made themselves into a team that they're going to go down historically and iconically no matter what happens because they literally have taken everybody's biggest punch and instead of backing down at all, they've just said, is that it? What's What's next? Come on, bring it. So, I mean, that's why for me, but I was saying they've done it in so many different ways. And, and that's something that, you know, just gets kind of lost in the shuffle. You know, people think Washington and the Pac-12 is full of finesse teams. They see the passing numbers that Penix has and forget about Dylan Johnson and how much of a factor he was in and, and just punching Oregon in the mouth both games and USC. So this is a very adaptable offense. It morphs and transforms itself into whatever it's needed for that particular game. When it is up in Corvallis with the Pacific Ocean getting dumped on everybody's head for four straight hours, what'd they do? They didn't score a single point in the second half and still won the game because they stopped Oregon State's running game and then ran the ball themselves when they needed to. Same thing against, you know, Oregon and, and that D-line. They got it done on the ground. Arizona State, they didn't score an offensive touchdown. Instead, they used great field goal kicking, great defense, and a pick six. And not a lot of teams can say that they've, you know, had those kind of change of pace moments. A lot of offenses are like, oh, my God, what we've done all year isn't working. What do we do? You know, this team does whatever it has to do. And you look at their opponent this week, um, the three games that you mentioned were really the only three games worth doing any sort of, you know, dive into on the Wolverine schedule. But Penn State, J.J. McCarthy went into a turtle shell and really didn't come back out until, uh, you know, some at some point during the Ohio State game, I'm sure they, they, they called his number, but – Alabama game was kind of a legacy for him because up until that point, 
people were thinking he was the weakest link and he wasn't going to get it done in the playoffs. So, you know, I think that when you, when you look at Washington and how they match up against Michigan, you you have to look at all 14 games as evidence now and how they won a lot of those games to think that this is just simply Michael Penix and the NFL wide receivers is, is an insult to the rest of the roster. And the fact that, like I said, they, they can win a game in a lot of different ways and not many teams can say that. So if they do get to Penix and, and have some success shutting down these wide receivers, like it ain't over by any stretch of the imagination. So mm-hmm. Michigan better be prepared for, for a 60 minute game in which they should be ready for a lot of different looks and, and ways that this game can go. Cause I know Washington is. I think it's going to be, well, I wish that my team was in it. I think that this is definitely going to be a game that we're not going to forget anytime soon. I'm not sure if it's going to be a blowout, a shootout, but you can tell the teams are going to be ready to play. And it just, the matchup, it's a great matchup. It's not the matchup that we were expecting, but that's a PD college football. We're just going to find out, and we just roll with the punches and see how it goes in that respect. Yeah, the matchup's Bobby been quiet for a while. I'm I'm absorbing some knowledge. I'm listening. Okay. Do you have you anything you wanted? No that... one, and I mean no one, in my opinion, is pulling for Michigan unless either they have money on the game or they're a true Michigan fan. Because you know Washington's, um, if how Chris was talking, both teams have had a chip on their shoulder and has made it kind of we against the world. I think Michigan's made it we against the world. I think Washington's is, you know, just naturally because I believe in that West Coast bias stuff. I believe in, you know, East Coast people think West Coast teams are not good. I think that's where Washington's big bias is. And I think uh, Washington should have that Heisman Trophy, by the way, in the case, in my opinion. I think that's an insult personally, but that's just me. But I think at the end of the day, Jim Harbaugh is impossible, I think, for most people like. It's very much a Nick Saban issue to where you either love Saban or you hate him. Harbaugh, I think, has put Michigan, I don't want to say public enemy number one, but they're definitely on the top of the leaderboard. <laughs> so ain't nobody pulling for Michigan unless you are unless you say go big blue. Yeah, go, blue. Go, blue. Yeah. go blue. Well, I got a huge fan base. I know a lot of a lot of those fans are going to be down there in Houston, right alongside us. Um, but you know, they, they have themselves to blame. Like, what did you want everyone to do? If if this had been happening in Columbus, they'd be doing the same thing everybody else is. Yep. You know, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, you kind of invited this, right? So, like, like I said, um, they handled it how they had to handle it uh if if us michigan versus everybody or whatever the hell the t-shirt said uh that's the way they had to motivate themselves and so be it um hats off to them for taking down alabama when absolutely nobody 
outside of Ann Arbor probably gave them a chance. It was like this, you know, I remember all the jokes I saw. I was obviously furious about the Florida State situation, but, you know, mm -hmm. I did see the team's reaction uh, when Alabama was the one that popped up on, you know, as the fourth fourth seed, you know. It was like this gasp, you know, audible surprise that, oh, no, we have to play the Crimson Tide out of the SEC. And all the SEC homers on Twitter just took that and ran with it. Like Michigan was scared. Ain't nobody scared of any team at this point, you know. Thirteen and zero was thirteen and zero, and now it's fourteen and zero. Your record is what it is at this point. You, know? all your warts have been exposed, and uh, if they were scared, I'm sure they wouldn't have, you know, made it through undefeated. So, like I said, hats off to them. A lot of people automatically assumed that you know, you gave Saban his chance and he's going to take it and beat all these weak teams that Alabama's so much better than. And nah, I mean, even when that game wasn't going well, Michigan didn't fold. So it's a battle-tested group, man. They, they really rally around each other and, and use that to their advantage, that, that chip on their shoulder. Definitely true, although Chris, uh, I'm going to let you hear something that's going to make you laugh. I listened. I was listening to Stephen A. Smith this week, and he tried to say that the Rose Bowl needed to leave the Rose Bowl and go be played at SoFi Stadium. What an idiot. Anyway, I'm not surprised. Neither am I, but when I heard, when I, I heard and saw that, I was like, this guy, I know he, him and Skip Bayless like to say stupid stuff, and that's what they're famous for. But that is literally one of the dumbest things I have ever heard in my life in regards to any bowl game or stadium. Because yeah. if you did that, you would be taking away something that's been epic and just been a memory that everyone has enjoyed. I mean, they love having the Rose Bowl, how it doesn't have a cover, because then you can watch everything, and the pictures you get from the top or from the blimps that are over it, they're iconic. You're never going to forget them. So that's why seeing that, it's like, why would you say something so stupid? Yeah, let me go... Uh to some stale NFL stadium in Inglewood as opposed to watching the sunset over the San Gabriel Mountains. Real awesome suggestion. I mean, that's why I just, uh, I had heard that. And so when I had spoken with you, hoping that you would come on, I was like, I need to make sure to uh, let you hear that so you can hear something that would make you either laugh or just shake your head because of how stupid that sounds. Because, I, I mean... Hey, ESPN, that's all you got to say. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of people that they bring on and have zero credibility. They have zero integrity. They don't know what they're saying. A lot of ignorant comments. Um, yeah, and now they have the off. SEC bias. Offensive tackle, Trey Font or Troy Fontenot, uh, walking off the field after the Sugar Bowl. You know, he said it best, like, hey, ESPN, put on the tape. Just put on the tape. 
Stop making ignorant comments and put on the tape. It speaks for itself. Who knows? They got six more days to do that. Doubt they will, but they should listen to them. Well said, sir. Well said. Now, besides the game coming up this week, was there any game that you saw or had the chance to take a peek at that you thought was a pretty good game? Alamo Bowl. Let's see. Arizona took down Oklahoma. See, was that one of the ones I lost on? I believe so. Let me just make sure. No, I did pick Arizona. Wise choice. Because what it was is just how Arizona had been playing this year. I know they had some issues, but the way that they were looking, I had a feeling that they were going to give Oklahoma all they could handle and then some. And, well, I can't say I'm sad I was right. That has looked like ever since Washington went down to Tucson and won that game, that just has gotten better and better every single week to where that's one of the best wins of the season by anybody. And keep in mind, the Huskies played that game the week before they played Oregon. So this is this has gone on, you know, probably since they left East Lansing. It's been nothing but, you know, teams that the Huskies got their best shot out of. And Arizona was just a fantastic team uh, waiting for this to happen. You know, as soon as they as soon as they dumped the 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 clown from Wazoo at quarterback and went with Fafita. This was just been a totally different ball club. And uh, hats off to them, man. Awesome coaching job. So many weapons, fierce turnover. They forced like what, six turnovers against Oklahoma. So it, it was, it was fun to watch. Great, great final Pac-12 game for them. And uh, they beat a quality opponent, man. That, that QB for Oklahoma is going to be good, but, Throwing him out against Arizona for his first start was a, a little too much. That is true, although uh, for the last game for the Pac-12, I did pick Oregon State over Notre Dame, and well, fortunately, that didn't go very well. Hey, Oregon State was missing any semblance of its roster, including the head coach, so that's a, it's a sad ending for them. Um, and the Cougars uh, getting left. Not how they wanted things to end for them, but I don't know. I'm sure they get some sort of payout for us making the playoff and making it to the title game. So enjoy the money, I guess, and uh, hope we see you again soon. Not. <laughs> well, the thing for them is because everyone else is leaving, all the other schools are going to have to pay that buyout. So, I mean, they're... It's only going to hurt them a little bit, but still, it just... It's sad to see, but... 
I'm thankful that at least with how we have this coming up, the Pac-12 is still going to make an impact one last time, at least for football, which at the beginning of the year, we weren't sure how that was going to go. So just seeing how everything turned out, there's not a whole lot you could really ask in my point of view, though, in my point of view. I mean, yeah, I know you have a different point of view. I respect that. And I mean, for now, with how Washington's done, you have a very good point of view and it's going to be a stressful rest of the week into next week. But you know what? I don't think that you would honestly want it any other way, truthfully, just because with you being as diehard of a fan as you are, it's giving you not only opportunities, but it's letting you root your favorite team and just seeing how the impact that they're making not only just for the team, but also just how recruiting is going to be and stuff like that. It's opening up so many different doors right now that I can't say jealous is the right word, but I definitely think for not only the team, but also even the Big Ten, it's going to be something we're all going to be looking forward to. And I, I hope that this parlays itself into better exposure for the program, makes it a more desirable location for high school players. Um, it's great using the transfer portal like we have, but, you know, I want to see kids that grow up in Washington staying in Washington. That's how it should be. It's, you know, they need to recruit at a little better clip, I think, to be in such a competitive league like the Big Ten is with, you know, five-star factories like Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan. And you know, you're bringing in Oregon and SC along with you. So it's it's going to be very, very tough going forward. And you have to seize the momentum that you have right now. And I believe that we have the coach to do that. He's one of a kind. He's a great human being. And I wouldn't want this program entrusted to anybody else right now. Well said, sir. Well said. Um, honestly, it, I think that's the best way that we can wrap up the show for today because, I mean... I need some sleep. <laughs> I was about to hop off. You and me both, my friend. You and me both. Just because, uh, yeah, no, I'm just, for me... I'm getting old, guys. Like, as much driving and you know, I never sleep after games because I'm so jacked up, you know, on adrenaline. Mm -hmm. So one more week. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, when, when I got your message today, I was like, you know what? If he comes on at all, I'm thankful. Now, I, I am going to be a little selfish, okay? I am going to be a little selfish right now. I'm going to call my shot. Win or lose, since you're going to the game, if possible, could you come on? Hopefully you could come on for a few minutes at least. Tell us, give us your recap for the game. Just because, right. well, I'm not lucky enough to where I could go to the game. So 
Yeah, I would be I'd, curious just to hear from your point of view. Of course. I mean, yeah. And I've been very thankful for being on the show for several years now. Um, appreciative of Santiago for reaching out and, and getting me in the first place uh, as a guest. So always, always, if, if you guys ever ask me to be on, I will always answer the call. Um, yeah, I started writing for West Coast College football back during the COVID season. So it was a very uh, unique opportunity um, and a tough time for West Coast football in the Pac-12 starting so late so it was uh something i took very very seriously um you know your your words and your analysis they have to be you know objective and and look at both sides of things and being a professional is you know looking at things through the correct lens win or lose and how you handle yourself after defeat i think says just as much if not more about how you handle yourself after victory so that's how i always try to approach that so yeah, win or lose, I might be dragging you know a little after a long drive back from Houston. Um, but I'll come on. Looking forward to it. I truly appreciate that. Just because I mean, I've been able to do this show now over a year, and so I mean, I'm every time I can get somebody on, I'm always thankful for it, and that's why Santiago he opened the door for us to start figuring out about this and now it's just playing it by ear for that and I mean it's worked out and I mean I'm thankful for it now one last question for you before we close out what do you think sure. the final score is going to be I think it's going to be similar to the one that we just played Maybe not 37 is the high score. Uh, maybe you say 34-31, which I think is one of our scores from the Oregon game. One of the Oregon games. 34-31 Huskies, which still have to go back and find that preseason show we did where I predicted this. I said that the final, I, I, final four, I picked Michigan, Washington, Georgia and Florida State came close on Florida State, pretty damn close on Georgia. But these are the two teams that I picked to be in the championship game. Unfortunately, I picked Michigan to beat us. So I'm going to go back and slap August version of me in the face and say, how dare you? <laughs> I'm changing my pick to the Huskies winning because why not? Seems like fate, right? I'll yeah, this yeah. one last time. And so what I'm going to do before the next show, even though I normally don't go back, just because, well, work keeps me relatively busy, I'm going to make sure that I go back so I can listen to your picks. And what I'll do is I'll send you a message after I listen to it. So that way it'll be on writing so that you can see it. And maybe I'll send it to Bob as well, just so that way I keep myself accountable for what I, for the research I'll do for it, okay? So I'm like the I'm like the notary. Exactly. <laughs> See, we're we're we're, make, we're giving Chris his time to shine because hey, if he's going to get it right, he deserves it. And you know what? I'm all about if someone does something the right way, they're going to get the recognition for it. Yep. So, so I mean, that being said. 
almost bedtime for the three of us. But, yep, exactly. Chris, I'm going to say that Washington is going to win 37 to 32. Just so that I can get my one last point in the Capital One Bowl season. All right. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'm okay with that. But you know what? I'm still going to end the year over 500 on that, so I'm thankful. Now, if we were going to find you outside of here, what would be the best, best way to get a hold of you? At Nolcore on all social media platforms. And you can listen to us most – I'm on most Saturdays on the Southern Gentleman Sports Show, which you can get to at southerngentlemansports.com. I probably won't be on this Saturday because I think at that point I'd like to be on the road to Houston. It's a nine-hour drive. Understand about that. Safe travels for that to and from, by the way. So, Thanks. absolutely, Bob. I know at times uh, you regret being on this show with me, but you know what? I still appreciate you coming on. So, uh, if we were going to find you outside of here, what would be the best way to do so? Yeah, it's really best you don't. But if you uh, absolutely have to, uh, the sports buffet on the platform we know as X, formerly known as Twitter. Well, if you were going to find me, uh, I will post at some point on X under Alan F. West. But usually, if I post anything, it's on Facebook at Alan.West.46. But this has been the Top 25 Rundown. Gentlemen, as always, thank you for your time. We'll look forward to See you next week. Have a great night.